You're listening to Weather Hype, a podcast for casual weather conversation. I'm Min Fun. And I'm Castle Williams. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the Olympics, the Rio 2016 Olympics, and some of the events that unfolded during the opening ceremony, including a big discussion about climate change. Then we'll move on to talk about how some of the water events were canceled on both Sunday and Wednesday due to high winds. And then we'll take a look at the weather in Rio. What is the weather normally like in the Brazilian city? And kind of see uh, that it's kind of weird that it's the Summer Olympics, but it's actually winter over there. And as always, we'll finish up with a couple of our uh, own personal stories. And always the song of the week. So stay tuned because Weather Hype is coming up next. Let's do it. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring I storm when I get gone, I get gone hey. And I don't need anyone to know better Hey, Castle. I know you're a little sick today, so I do apologize. You've been sick for uh, a little bit, right? A few days now? Yeah, since uh, last Thursday, I think. So you shouldn't be apologizing to me. I apologize to everyone out there. If I my voice cracks a little or if I sound kind of wonky, that's totally the reason why. <laughs> you sound a little hoarse. Like yeah. a meh. Well, not. Ah, funny. <laughs> <laughs> Min puns. Uh, one pun per podcast please it's the limit um i mean well you've been sick so have you at least yeah. you know had time to watch the olympics a little bit well you know i'm not the biggest sports person um <laughs> so i've been laying on the couch while my dad watches the olympics so i've been kind of a bystander to the olympics you could say oh gotcha well i mean you did watch the opening ceremony though at least right i did yeah thoughts did. on that overall I thought it was really interesting, especially how they kind of shifted, like they took us through their history a little. And so it was kind of cool seeing all the different changes that went through and it, it was kind of choreographed to a dance. So I thought that was pretty a good way to like tell a story, I thought. I think that normally the opening ceremonies seem to capture the history of a country. Because I remember in London, the weirder part to me, not only when the uh, the queen jumped out of the airplane, well, she kind of fake jumped out of the airplane. Um, and then there was like some weird stuff with like 007 and blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think normally they take you through the course of their history because in London, they had a part where um, factories were coming out of the ground and it was kind of supposed to represent the Industrial Revolution. I remember China. China had one of the best opening ceremonies I can remember in 2008 with all their theatrics too. And I think they, I'm not sure if they touched so much on their history. I mean, they have a very rich history, but I do remember at least in London and again in Rio, they talked a lot about the history. And um, in Rio, they did not shy away from the, uh, I guess, the not so great parts of the history, including no, uh, slavery um yeah. and a lot of the uh, imperialism and, and colonization stuff, yeah. correct yeah and i've told a lot of people too that in brazil it's one of the biggest melting pots in all the world almost more so than america they have huge populations of, of so many different uh races and uh countries and from like japan i think um from what i remember it has like the highest uh rate of japanese people outside of japan so that's pretty crazy oh. yeah it was full of lots of colors and 
especially when they got to more of like the future stuff a uh, lots of like hip-hop and yeah um a lot of dancing on different colors and it was pretty cool <laughs> it was also interesting to see like the equivalent of like celebrities here in america so they had like someone who was supposed to be like their celebrity like a uh, reporter or whatever i don't even know i can't think of it but she was like up there like giving a speech and they're like this is an equivalent person of blah blah in america and so i thought that was really cool to see those comparisons and it's cool to to see how because you know every year every two or four years depending on if you're watching the winter or summer olympics it seems like the opening ceremony is always um they're always trying to outdo the one before Mm. and like i said in 2008 china blew everybody away i don't know if anybody can never uh top that but the way they use technology this time they had a some kind of state-of-the-art projector system right. where they projected onto the uh, surface of the stadium and created illusions of, of what you would be looking at. One of the cooler parts that they used the um, tra- uh, projector was when they had buildings that were shifting back and forth and people were jumping from one building to another. But if you were an actor or performer, you're li- essentially jumping on flat ground. Right. And so, and when they're projecting, I'm not really sure that they can really see what they're jumping over. So it had to take a lot of rehearsal to create the illusion that they're jumping from building to building, even though they're really just jumping on a flat surface with projections of buildings on the ground. Also, they were saying that the opening ceremonies didn't really have a really big budget to work with. And so they tried to figure out the best way to maximize what money they had to create the best show. And so the projector was the best way to do that. And so I wonder, in future opening ceremonies, the projector was a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so are they going to copy that in the next time they do this kind of stuff or what? I'm, I'm really curious to hear or to see what they're going to come up with next because yeah, technology improves all the time, but I just can't imagine it just getting better and better and better. But they always seem to find a way. Yeah, I couldn't even tell. Like the, I heard the comment about them not having the same budget that they normally do. And so I was kind of surprised because I felt like it was a good uh, opening ceremony. There were a lot of people involved, so I was kind of shocked to hear that. Yeah. And, uh, of course, a big part of that opening ceremony was the part about climate change. So the weird thing is NBC Olympics did not allow me to watch the opening ceremony live. I had to wait an hour before I got to watch it. Um, it was on some kind of weird tape delay, even for the live stream on their website. They wouldn't let me watch it live. So I was really pissed off about that, first of all. But it was interesting, though, to see people tweeting about climate change being talked about. So I kind of knew that it was coming up, but I didn't really uh, know when exactly it would it would uh, show up in the opening ceremony. But I saw people tweeting about it, and then I finally saw it on an hour delay. <laughs> and uh, I mean, what do you what do you think about all that? What were they talking about? Do you remember? I thought it was very brave of them to give it this kind of the spotlight. Um, I don't know. There was a lot of mixed feelings, I think, uh, on Twitter and such. There was a lot of people who were like, blah, 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 snore, snore, climate change. Um, but I mean, that's going to that's gonna happen whenever you do it. But I, I thought their presentation of the information was pretty good. Um, they showed the famous graphic that just came out like this the spiral past year. graph, right? Yeah, which I don't I don't really care for it personally because it just seems like a lot of lines and then yes they do start like getting farther and farther out the longer you go but then it felt like for their case they were just showing it when it got to 2015 they kind of just sped up and went to the next thing and that's like the biggest part and so i would have like left it there for emphasis a little bit um but okay yeah i can see that keeping it there for a little bit more of a dramatic effect yeah because that's like the biggest part is seeing 
how much different 2015 is or 2016, 2015 and 2016 compared to the other spiral. And so I felt like they could have maybe left it there a little bit longer for dramatic effect, like really showing and letting it soak in how much it's changed in the past two years. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why that spiral graph is so cool is it was a unique and different way to visualize how um, the Earth's temperature, average temperatures has really changed. And then you can really see okay, like the spiral's going around and it's like, okay, there's not too, too much change. And then all of a sudden um, the 90s hit, the 80s hit, and you're like, holy crap. And yeah. then what what seems to be rather monotonous and just very uh, simple spiraling turns into, uh, holy moly, all, the, all these years where things looked relatively close to each other and then all of a sudden within the past uh, few decades, things have dramatically changed. And so um, the visualization's cool. It's not like a typical chart or a you know, line graph where you see, oh, yeah, things are going up, going down. Um, mm. You can really see how how things are, are really changing for the worse, too. Um, so I appreciate that. I like that they did that. The narration was very uh, basic, for lack of a better term, yeah, very uh, elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a part that the heat is melting the ice cap. It's disappearing very quickly, like in very simple terms so that people can understand it. Everyone can understand right. it. Um, I, I believe people in places like Brazil already recognize that climate change is affecting them. They can see it and they know it's happening. And so it's great to talk about it in places like the United States. We still struggle as a whole society that climate change is real or not. We're still debating it. The science is, is quite remarkable in showing that climate change is indeed happening. But there's such a, you know, polarizing, it's a polarizing subject in our society, even though there's pretty definitive proof that's happening. And other countries, other places around the world, that's not really an issue. And so seeing Twitter blow up with a lot of people from the United States saying like, oh, this is propaganda, this is bullcrap, you know, why are you putting this on there? They're kind of in their own little world, essentially, because everybody else is already on board. So why aren't we? And it goes into a lot of other debates about why people don't believe in climate change, either that the way the media portrays it as a 50-50 with talking heads kind of debating it on, on live TV, or um, these uh, campaigns by uh, oil companies or fossil fuel companies, kind of like mm-hmm. what the uh, cigarette companies did back then, where they're trying to say, oh, yeah, tobacco is not bad for you. And then we realize, yeah, tobacco does kill you. Um so same thing with, with what the fossil fuel companies are doing. Yeah, we're not actually doing it. Um, nothing's bad's happening. And, and that actually swayed public opinion a lot. And so that is a huge issue and a huge reason why so many people don't believe in climate change. But uh, the science is there. So I'm glad they did it. I don't know what kind of impact it will really have. Because I think yeah. anybody who watched it and said, yeah, hurrah, like kudos to you. They already believe and understand climate change. The people right. who don't, I think it pissed them off and didn't really do anything for them, except for them to be like, yeah, we're using the Olympics as a political stage now, aren't we? And uh, so I'm glad they did it. Is it really going to impact anybody? I don't think so. Well, I think it would be really interesting if like the kind of public opinion about climate change was polled before and after the Olympics and seen if anything had changed generally. Sure. Because, I mean, it may have kind of swayed some people who are on the fence. Because, I mean, if when you think about like we always talk about all these health problems where we, we have a spectrum of people who believe in them. And so there's like those people who are always on board. You have those people who are always going to deny it. But like the majority of the population is kind of sitting on the fence. And so it would be interesting to see if this kind of world representation of climate change being 
kind of the core of this Olympic theme, whether that may have swayed them one way or the other. I mean, it could have potentially swayed them in the opposite direction towards denying climate change because it was on such a like grand scale that they thought, oh, it must be like, like you said, it's, this is just propaganda. I can't believe they're showing this in this fashion, blah, blah, blah. And it sends them in the opposite direction. But I would be curious to see how many people uh, were more likely to believe in climate change now because yeah. of it. And they've done similar studies in looking at how a movie or a TV show or anything like that, or some kind of uh, big influence in the media, like a documentary, how that right. influences how people feel about climate change. They polled people um, before and then after watching um, documentaries like the Inconvenient Truth or stuff like that. And they found that those kind of depictions of climate change um, get people thinking about climate change a lot. But within probably two weeks or so, that interest really drops and people stop caring. Mm. And so it's a very short-term effect on people. They're like, yeah, like I feel empowered to do something. I'm going to make a big difference and tackle climate change. And then afterwards, you know, they get back in their daily grind and they don't really think about it anymore until yeah. uh, something like this happens. So I can see at least viewers on TV watching it and being like, if they were on the fence, they'd be like, yeah, climate change, like hurrah. But then after the Olympics, I highly doubt in my mind and from past studies to bolstering that idea, I don't really think. I'm a little pessimistic too. After you go through a climate change, cl <laughs> uh, change class, you uh, you get kind of pessimistic about uh, things, but I'm so optimistic in some ways, but this idea kind of, uh, I just don't feel so great about, but I do like that they did it, but who knows? It's kind of like the whole, uh, every athlete was given a, uh, tree seed or a seed right. for a tree and they were supposed to plant those 11,000 trees somewhere in Rio and right. 11,000 for the 11,000, uh, participants in the Olympics. And for me, I'm like, okay, great. You're planting trees and who could argue against the idea of planting trees, right? That's always going to be a good thing. Um, but again, what I learned about in my climate change class was that, um, the idea of planting trees makes us feel really good and it makes us feel like we're doing something and really doing our part, mm -hmm. but sometimes it can be used as an excuse. So, so global North and global South, and I was talking to you about that a little bit earlier today. Right. So back in the eighties, there was a line drawn kind of to separate the global North and global South. And this, this line was called the Brandt line. So the Brandt line separated countries based on their gross national product and their uh, economic output. So the global north includes pretty much most of the countries of the northern hemisphere, including Australia. So the line is kind of north of the equator. Um, Mexico is below the line and it kind of goes across um, to Europe and Africa is below the line. And then India, Vietnam, China is below the line. And then it kind of curves and includes Australia kind of <laughs> randomly. So that's like the weird exception to the global north kind of rule. So in terms of the world and the idea of development and wealth, the global north has more money, more goods, they're uh, better off. And then the global south is more impoverished. So there's a lot of ideas going around that, you know, countries like the United States, they pollute the world so much with emissions and fossil fuels and stuff like that. And so when they decide to do things like plant a bunch of trees in areas like the global south, like in Brazil, they're doing this as a carbon sink. So when you plant a bunch of forests or if the forests is existing, the idea of it being a carbon sink is that those trees will suck in a bunch of carbon dioxide and kind of mm -hmm. offset all the yeah. pollution that we've been putting out in the atmosphere. So a lot of times the global north countries will participate in activities like planting a bunch of trees somewhere south of the equator. 
And in that way, we'll just continue to pollute the world, but we'll plant a bunch of trees and that'll suck up all the CO2 and then we'll be good. Well, that's not exactly how it works, you know, because not only do those programs, they're not like super, super effective, but then also you're going into like local lands and you're planting a bunch of trees or you're uh, kind of affecting indigenous populations and right. yeah. like the forests and the Amazon and other areas yeah. too and their landscape yeah you're totally yeah. screwing with their landscape and saying oh yeah we're doing our part to uh, combat climate change but uh, we're not going to do anything in our country we'll just do it eh, somewhere else where they don't really have much of a say that kind of idea is in my mind somewhat uh, pushed by the idea of planting trees in the uh, Rio Olympics I know it's a little bit of a stretch but um, I can't help but think about that in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, planting trees and planting 11,000 trees in Rio, great, good idea. But when you're looking at it in that perspective, then it kind of just reinforces the fact that, yeah, we can make other people do it, but then we won't clean up our act, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, things are changing. With the m- more recent administration, we've uh, signed on and uh, tried to reduce our emissions. And uh, I know the Obama administration has been really... Uh, outspoken about climate change um so we'll see what happens but i don't mean to get too political here either but unfortunately climate change can get a little political so what do you do i think that there's also like the psychological root of being able to do this one thing that automatically starts taking effect right now and helping reduce carbon emissions versus doing putting a lot of work into reducing our like carbon output and that kind of stuff so that takes a lot of money and time Whereas we can just go right now and plant this tree. And in our minds, it's like, you know what? We're doing something towards helping this problem. And so it is an easy way out, but it's probably not the best thing that we could be doing. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it does inspire people to do more locally in their own community, in their own neighborhoods, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully that, that could be the one positive thing to be like, okay, you know, these athletes are planting a bunch of trees. Maybe I should too. And maybe I should start doing something in my own life that could be beneficial for climate change. Plus it was a really good image of all when everyone was like the parade of athletes, they all like, they had like a child carrying a tree. And so that has a good image and like a, I mean, anytime you include a, a child, symbol. things are probably gonna be okay. <laughs> well, I mean, the, it's like, okay, here's a tree for the next generation who is carrying the tree. So it this has like tree a lot of is your tree connection. This tree <laughs> is my tree. <laughs> Okay, I can see that. Man, man, you're <laughs> you're getting deep with that uh that whole generational thing. You're right though. It's a good point. Yeah. I mean, it's it it may have been subliminal, but I mean, it's there for a reason. Like they're saying, "Yes, we're doing our part and we're trying to help the next generation by planting a tree that they're actually holding." And so it puts the two the two symbols close together so that they can that connection can be made whether it is interpreted or not. More like a subconscious level. And so besides the opening ceremony, the Olympics have gone off pretty well, but there has been some um, impact from the wind, right? Yeah, and I think it was uh, Sunday, August 6th. Most of the water events were canceled that day due to high winds. So I think it was averaging 20 to 30 miles per hour with 50 mile per hour gusts. So they went ahead and canceled the entire day. And I think they said it was like, this hasn't happened in 20 years or so. Wow. Um, for them to cancel like an entire day, they usually cancel like between 8 and 12 or whatever. But then um, it also happened again today on Wednesday, the 10th. They canceled all the water events again as well. So 
some crazy wins going on. I remember seeing them first talking about the wins when uh, the U.S. volleyball, not the team, but the two, like the women, two girls. I can't remember their names. Uh, <laughs> the sweat, two girls. Sweat and uh, <laughs> her last name was Sweat and someone else. But when they started uh, toward the end of their match, they said they could see the sand start to swirl. And so they were getting worried. And then soon after that, they canceled the rest of the day of uh, the water events. Yeah, I um I haven't watched too much of the beach, but I've seen a few games, including one today. It didn't seem like it was too affected by the wind. Um, but the fact that they had to cancel some of the um, sailing and water events definitely means and shows that at least they're protecting the... Um, athletes you know it could be worse it could be them actually uh making them do it and then something bad happens so i guess that's a good thing yeah and i think they said that uh two uh vessels also capsized oh like, no when way. they were doing like the practice round in the morning and they said that they hadn't capsized in this since they canceled the last time so like in 20 years oh wow so it's it must be kind of crazy for that to happen Safety first, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking a little bit about the weather locally, the um, it's really interesting to note that, yeah, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's summertime. But in the Southern Hemisphere, it's definitely winter. And yeah. so having kind of the ironic. Summer Olympics <laughs> in a winter season is kind of weird. But I guess it's okay because down in Brazil... It's a tropical climate, and so even though it's winter, they don't really get uh, too much cold weather, and so they won't have to deal with um, snow, at least in the areas that they're playing. So I'm looking at an article right now from uh, the Weather Channel, and uh, Catherine Proceves, she had a little graph that she included on a little tweet from Climate Central showing that the climate of Rio is pretty close to the climate of Miami. So their average high is around 78 this time of the year in uh in August for Rio compared to a wintertime uh, climate for Miami. And so the average low for both both cities is around the uh, mid to upper 60s. And they get a uh, pretty typical amount of rain, around two inches of rain. Um, but yeah, it doesn't get very hot in Rio, clearly, during the wintertime. And uh, their average temperatures are uh, in the 60s and 70s right now. So not too bad. No one's sweating. And yeah, it's probably a little humid, but probably nothing too too crazy um which is very interesting though because it is winter over there but everyone's like what winter so because it is the summer olympics but it is winter there is it based on like because okay this may be incorrect but athens greece is probably like the first place that held the olympics right correct that is correct so is the summer winter ideal based on when it is summer or winter in athens i'll have to do some looking into that but my idea is i think we call it the summer olympics in america to distinguish between those two events right i think honestly it just means hot sports and cold sports or whatever but i think we just designate it in our culture as summer winter olympics because we're we're used to that idea um but in actuality you know i guess it doesn't really correlate necessarily depending on the location of the season, you know? Yeah. Um, This Olympics, you can play outside. This Olympics, you should probably stay inside unless you're going down a mountain. Then you can go outside in the snow. Yay. I just think it's interesting that we call them summer and winter. It just shows how, like, northern hemisphere dominated. Centric it is, yeah. Yeah, this thing is. Again, global north. Global north. Jesus, rude. (laughs)
So speaking of the Olympics, we should probably talk about the current. Wait, medal. were we talking about the Olympics? I didn't know that. Yeah, like this whole episode. Where have you been? Uh, it must have been my uh, you're a twin, I don't know, you're my clone twin. I'm just being really weird. Okay, yeah, you are. So <laughs> it's my speaking hunger. of the Olympics, it's my hunger. I'm so hungry. <laughs> what is the current medal count? Because I have literally no clue. Bum, 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 bum. Is that like the USA Olympics thing? twenty eight? Come on, Castle. Have you not been paying attention t- all your life? I'm telling you. Come on. This is the first Olympics that I've really watched. You've never watched the Olympics? Are you serious? Dude, you like sport. I know you, you say you don't like sports, but you kind of do. Earlier when we were talking about opening opening ceremonies, like this is the only one I've ever watched. So that's why I was like, uh. <laughs> why are we even hosts on this podcast? Like you need to. Anyway. Um. so medal count usa has 28 medals as of today 28 china yeah china has 20 japan has 17 and then russia has 13 great britain has 12 and then it kind of goes from there i'm gonna give a shout out to my home country kind of of vietnam or my heritage country uh they won a gold medal for the first time ever And they also won a silver medal, too. And I think rifle and shooting. Yeah. Um, So I'm not sure what that says about the Vietnamese people. (laughs) But but we are apparently good at shooting. So don't mess with us, okay? I'm surprised that the United States didn't get that since... too too soon taco, taco. Too soon. um a little bit i don't know if i should laugh or cringe <laughs> or what but um yeah there's some uh funky stuff going on um interesting though uh thailand is number 11 so they are doing pretty good um that is pretty there's good the other few countries that are sprinkled in there too mongolia philippines uh slovakia turkey y'all got some silver medals and then um uzbekistan look at you uzbek you got two bronze medals hell yeah um so yeah we're, we're looking pretty good uh the olympics are there's still plenty of events left yeah but uh doesn't it we're go kicking until butt. like the 21st or something crazy I think so like about that? two and a half weeks two and a half weeks That's I insane. Believe. not really insane. There's so many th- different things going on okay fine it's insane <laughs> um one of the uh, cool events we've been watching, um, Michael Phelps taking home like three gold medals now, I think. Um, the U.S. women's Olympic gymnastics team has Ooh. killed it. They, in the preliminaries, I think they were beating out the other country, Japan, by like 10 points or something. Yeah, it was crazy. In the uh, team all-around final, they killed the competition pretty much. And there was really no competition for them, which... It makes it a little bit more fun to watch when we think about, you know, the stakes are really high, the pressure is really on. But for uh, the five of them, the final five, as they designated on uh, TV to everybody, the final five, um, they are probably one of the strongest Olympic gymnastics teams ever. You know, they I don't think anyone's ever dominated this much in uh, an Olympic competition. So uh, really cool to see and very much well-deserved for uh, everybody. So... Olympics USA, we're continuing to do pretty well. Um, there are a few events that we're, we're not doing too well, but I only paid attention to the ones that we are doing decently at. <laughs> um, I think a 10 meter platform synchronized diving. Um, we got silver medals and that and the, uh, relay, uh, team that we had for the men's. I believe they, uh, they also won the gold medal, which is pretty awesome. And 
a UGA swimmer was actually a part of that team. Yeah. Kind of, sort of. He raced in the preliminary round of the relay, the 4 by 200 freestyle relay. He helped out and swam in one of the uh, preliminary heats, right? But in the final, he did not swim. Mm. But he, he still, still gets the gold medal. Yeah, he still gets the gold medal. How cool. That's so, what I want to do. Can I do they, that? Uh, he's made history, Gunner, Gunner Bentz. He's made history as being the first male UGA Olympic athlete to get a gold medal. So it's pretty awesome. And we have a few other people. Yeah, good job, dude. Um, and uh, five other medals have been won in Rio from uh, Chase Calise, mm-hmm. Allison Schmidt, and Amanda Weir. Um, they all won silver medals. And then uh, Chantal Van Landigem. I probably really <laughs> badly Butcher. butchered that name. She uh, got a bronze medal for Canada. So nice. UGA is doing pretty well at the Olympics. And, yeah. uh, I think they said they said like that. 48 athletes this year. I 48? Yeah. I think that's what the article I read said. Really? Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of people. Yeah. That's a lot of people. It's All right. Well, people. we'll have to verify that. But uh, go dogs, because we are always <laughs> <laughs> don't take anything from me. <laughs> Castle doesn't know what he's talking about. I sports. Talking what about. is that? Okay, so because I am me, and when I'm watching sports and other things, I get like carried away and start looking in different directions, other like psychological and sociological things that are going on. So I've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed, but with the some of the announcers. I think because they have to talk continuously, they say a lot of dumb things or they like stick their feet in their mouth and they don't really think they're doing that. So like at one point I was watching beach volleyball and one of the contest or one of the athletes was a lawyer. And so the announcers were like, yeah, she did her undergrad here. And they were like, and can you believe it? She went to graduate school and she actually passed the bar and... <laughs> Just like these words that are almost like they were shocked that she was like doing these things. And of course, sure. I, I might be reading more into it, but it may not be because she's a woman, but that's the way that I took it. Um, no, I, I totally agree. Sometimes you have to continuously talk. And then when you continuously talk, you uh, kind of say stupid stuff. That kind of sounds like me on this podcast sometimes. <laughs> I kind of ramble, ramble, ramble. And then I realize, wow, I just said some really stupid crap. But I don't know if it was a directed at a women thing. I think it's more um, just the idea of someone being such a great athlete. The fact that they can also yeah. excel academically or intellectually is kind of cool because not every athlete is going to be able to do that. But then again, uh, there are plenty of athletes who are extremely intelligent intelligent so it kind of just is like can you believe it like not only are they insanely good and they're an olympian in their sport they can also be a lawyer so pretty much we should all be jealous of them because they have it all So, um, I've had the chance being in here in Colorado to meet up with a few other folks. And we talked about last time how I met up with Kyle uh, Nelson. He's over in Aspen. And I've had a chance to meet up with two other folks in the uh, weather world, Dakota Smith and Trevor White. You're so connected. I mean, I try. (laughs) I mean, so 
So, uh, Dakota is actually a co-host of the Weather Podcast, The Weather Junkies. And, um, I've listened to a few of their episodes. They do really cool stuff. They interview, um, different people in the Weather Enterprise and provide, uh, really good perspectives. Um, both him and Tyler, the other co-hosts, um, have been doing it, I think, believe since, uh, later on in 2015. And, uh, they've been doing a really, really good job. They do it live and weekly too. So, um, definitely check out their podcasts. I could never do that. So <laughs> claps all around. Kudos to you. To claps. <laughs> what kind of claps? Slow clap or like claps clap back? Around. Cause the clap back is like F you. No, but we don't want to do like that. A clap in a circle. Clap in a circle. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> circle claps. You guys with the junkies. Circle, circle claps, claps you. all around. Um, we'll link you guys to the, uh, their podcast too. It's really good. But yeah, I met up with Dakota at his, uh, house and met up with, uh, my friend Abby, Abby Allert. Uh, we met each other at NCAR, kind of where I met Noah, uh, Brower, who was a guest on this show a few podcasts ago. And we kind of just ch- chatted and talked and watched some of the Olympics and, uh, it was really good. And we actually met up again, um, a few days ago to eat some Thai food. Uh, so it's really good just to connect with a bunch of other, um, student meteorologists and kind of learn what they do. And, you know, it's good for networking, but not even just to have friendship, you know, and it's always a good thing. Um, friendship. Yes. Yeah, friendship. Love, friendship, camaraderie. It's a beautiful thing for sure. It, it's funny if, if you were a big brother fan. There's this guy on there that this season that all he says is like friendship, friendship, friendship. Like whenever someone is like trying to vote him out or something, he's just like, remember friendship, friendship, friendship. Oh my God. So that's what it reminded me of when you <laughs> said that. Um, that's weird. I would not be saying friendship to people who are trying to kick me off of a show that I could make a million dollars. I mean, off he's of. still there. So it's, he's so you think it's working? Right. So shouting friendship yeah. at people? I'm going to vote you friendship. out. Friendship. Would that have been your strategy, Castle? Because I don't think it would be. No. You would have been like, no. Nope. Unfriendship. <laughs> but what the thing that I would have to figure out is what would I tell them my job is? Because I couldn't tell them I was a PhD student or that I was a research scientist. Because I feel like they would vote me out. So I would have to pick something. I mean, don't they all have to know? Like, you can't lie to the show and the show is probably going to tell somebody. No, no. Like, you tell the show, but then when you introduce yourself to the other house guests, a lot of people lie about what they are. Really? Yeah, like, this one girl on, on the show this season was a PhD mathematician. And she wanted to use prime numbers to help, like, the NSA find people and stuff. And she told everyone she was a daycare <laughs> what or whatever yeah. no way that's so weird yeah do you want to help the nsa using prime number are we even supposed to know that she's in the nsa right now because i feel like she's not in the nsa that's like what she wants to do in the future so is she actually a daycare worker no she's a phd student in oh math. okay gotcha well i don't know i feel like that's a little bit too much information too i don't know i think she's trying to punk us with the um technically the real description of her because that doesn't sound right she's probably the daycare worker which is totally fine too like do you do but i don't know she knew a lot of crazy math stuff so oh this conversation always takes a weird turn huh anyway <laughs> back to friendship 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 um friendship. i met up with my friend trevor white who um i believe you've met him before he's part of the uh, virginia tech contingency the Hokies. oh probably yeah he was with um ashley and jamie and and uh you know alex and uh, i'm trying to name off all of them so i don't leave anybody off aaron and uh nick <laughs> all right yeah, i nick. apologize if i did not include your name friends of the podcast yes friends, friends of, the of the podcast we'll we'll be uh conservative <laughs> and safe um so trevor actually just recently got a job out in boulder um looking at severe weather and doppler on wheels so 
um, congratulations nice. to him and yeah, uh, the awesome stuff. And so we uh, went to Avery Brewing Company in Boulder, which apparently, according to m- multiple people, is the best brewery in this whole entire area. And if you are into beer or if you like beer, um, you know Colorado is very much known for their micro brews or craft brews and stuff like that. Uh, New Belgium, you have Great Divide, a bunch of other great breweries too. But um, Avery apparently is uh, tops a lot of people's charts in terms of uh, beer and places to get good beer. So went there and hung out and then uh, got some coffee at some point too. So uh, again, cool to, to meet up with people and, and see people. And we'll link their um, Twitter handles because apparently that's how other people communicate. <laughs> we'll link their Twitter <laughs> handles to the uh, podcast so that you guys can uh, check them out and uh, maybe uh, socialize a little bit too. Something else that I kind of wanted to talk about was this uh, printing a forecast on a toaster thing. <laughs> I saw one of my Facebook friends, Kim Clocko, posted about it. It was pretty interesting. I think she posted it in a different way. It was more about um, weather warnings. So if like there was a tornado warning or something. Your toaster would tell you if it was a tornado warning? Yeah, your toaster would tell <laughs> That's you. That's a little weird because what if you didn't want toast and it was a severe weather outbreak? Then toast would be flying out of your toaster and being like, tornado warning, yeah. flash flood warning. Blah. And you'd be like, I'm sorry, but I'm watching my carbs. Yeah, that's why I thought it was kind of weird. But now seeing the link that you just shared with me, it's more of like what today's forecast is going to be like. So like high, low. Yeah, like when you uh, wake up in the morning and you want to forecast. And uh, But yeah, when you wake up in the morning, you want to, uh, in order to know what to do for the rest of the day, you want to know the forecast. And then you eat toast in the morning because it's breakfast food. Imagine if it could produce a forecast on your piece of toast. Um, some people joked and said, oh, I'd eat my toast before I even looked at the forecast. But I mean, just look at it briefly and then, then you can eat it, you know, mm-hmm. but it's a concept. So it's not quite there yet. But my question to you guys would be, would you buy it? Would you buy a toaster um, that told you the forecast? Or is this kind of like, why? Like, do you not have more time on your hands, but to make a toaster that gives you the weather forecast? I feel like this would have to be something that came regular in all toasters. And then you could like select the option of weather forecast on your toast. Well, the fact that it probably has to connect to the internet or something probably makes it like $100 more expensive or something. Um, True. So unless it was Wi-Fi enabled toasters. Yeah. (laughs) And you ask yourself, is that really necessary? But I could imagine kind of like 3d printing food right because you can select a design and then it can 3d print that design you can eat it um Mm -hmm. so it'd be like would there be a toaster that would be wi-fi enabled so you can download an image and turn it into your toast that to me is kind of like a 3d printer so you know why bother doing that and spend like an extra hundred dollars on a 3d or a, a personalized toaster printer when you could just buy a 3d printer but that's just the way I see it. And I feel like people, the people who would buy this are like weather weenies or someone that already looks at weather information on a regular basis. Yeah, I think so too. It's not going to capture that sector of the audience that doesn't get the high and low <laughs> or like the chance of rain or whatever yeah. in a given day. Yeah. So I feel like we're still missing like that low hanging fruit yeah. that, um, that we always try to capture. I mean, get that low hanging fruit and spread it on your toast. Hey, you could. 
Um, so I guess anyway, what is your uh, what's your song of the week? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I guess anyway. Anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh yeah, I guess it's time for song of the week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Archer and the Sinner is good today, but it's okay. So my song of the week is Flex slash. Um, <laughs> All in my head, I think. What do you not know the name of the song that you chose for the song of the week? Come on. Because I always call it Flex, but it's one of those songs that has two uh, two names, which I just, why? <laughs> just pick one. Just why? Just pick one. I mean, why? I mean, there has to be a reason. We have yet to figure well, that out. Somebody yeah, please hit like, us I don't understand. We might interview you. No, I mean, this is different from well, yeah, it is. the right. ones where it's like title slash title, because those are two different songs put together probably because they use the word flex a lot in their song right yeah but they say all in my head all the time too okay because i'll then say maybe people can identify well both maybe they think okay if they're looking up the song and heard on the radio then they would hear flex a lot and they'd be like oh flex fifth harmony and then they would find the name okay or all in my head google is smart enough that if you say flex fifth harmony it's gonna pop up yeah well people don't have to call it that i don't know I don't so know. They're, like, they're worried. This is they're like, much. oh my gosh, what if we put out this song and people start Googling the wrong word? I mean, if you use the same formula that you use for work from home, then it's probably going to be a good, like a, you know, successful song. I won't say good. <laughs> work from home, parentheses, toolbox. <laughs> I don't know. What would be the other name for work? Uh, D- dances in swimming pool. Yeah, there you go. Or um, just uh, y'all nasty. That's what construction workers. Because like um the same I watched a music video for all in my head and it was exactly the same thing as work from home, except they weren't in a construction site, they were on a beach doing the same type of dances and um (laughs) same like shirtless men kinda like grinding and round and doing weird stuff. And I was like, Man, they really know how to take a song and use the same formula and turn into a new song. Yeah. That music but industry. Anyway, so that's my song of the week. Okay, it's just really catchy, and like when they say flex all the time, I'm just like flex, and I do it while I sing yeah. it. So it's just like perfect. Okay, so what is your song of the week? My song of the week for this week kind of ties into the whole Olympic theme. Katy Perry's "Rise." It's been used by NBC for their promotional purposes and um, kind of tying in the idea of rising up as a nation and winning gold medals and doing well at the Olympics and uh, doing that kind of stuff. I don't know if it. I'd say it's typical of Katy Perry. Um, she tends to have some uh, more out there songs like "E.T." That was a weird one, um, but yeah, it was, throwback. It was a good one, good one, but weird one. Yeah. Uh, Rise, it kind of hits a lot of uh, different keys and there's some minor um, keys that are kind of hit that kind of make it sound all like weird and not as normal. That's like a cookie cutter radio song. Um, so definitely check it out. I think it's pretty good. And uh, you can watch the NBC Olympic version where they show a bunch of athletes kind of doing their thing. So to be clear, this theme song is only North America based, correct? I believe it's just for NBC. Yeah, I heard it once on the radio and I was I got really excited because they're like new music from Katy Perry. And I was like, what? But for me, it just never kicked in. I kept waiting for it to kick in and it never what, did. So wait for what to kick in? Like the song. Oh, like for you to like it or to, for it to show up on the radio? No, I kept waiting for like during the song, I kept waiting for it to like kick in, like get more upbeat. Oh. Uh, like, do like the chorus just didn't do it for me. So we hope you enjoyed the uh, podcast episode about the Olympics and uh, definitely go team USA and definitely cannot wait to see the progression of the Olympics and see uh, 
all the athletes kind of taking taking over, winning, and doing their thing. Because I wish we could be in the Olympics, but we're just not that good, Castle. We're not that good. Wow, this is this is kind of sad. This is taking like a sad turn. <laughs> we're not sixteen-year-old women who are accomplishing so much in their life, and we're just not in you know we were not in that shape unfortunately so we'll say watching volleyball i've been trying to uh play some more volleyball after watching the uh volleyball olympic uh, sports because i'm i'm just thinking man if i had the opportunity to really develop my skill as a younger person i feel like i could definitely have made it but you know my parents stuck me with the piano <laughs> i can't play Wait, the piano play the olympics piano? you didn't know that no i didn't know that i can play a little bit i'm not very good at it i'm not uh yeah i'm not you know beethoven but we should start a band we can get the band back together hey i have a keyboard you don't want it by chance do you uh no i i sold my keyboard recently and i have a piano rotting in my basement right now so oh, okay yeah i i still have my clarinet you know Fair i play enough. clarinet right yeah, yeah i knew that so um there's some musical talent and i can hit the low notes in, <laughs> in songs but i can't go high so i can kind of sing a little bit but not really probably not yeah no i can't sing take all that back i can't sing <laughs> um anyway wow that went from wrapping it up to talking even more um but anyway go go team usa and uh go weather hype because um you can find us in a variety of places <laughs> including facebook.com slash weather hype or our website at weatherhypepodcast.com you can also send us a tweet on twitter at weatherhype, both words, weather and hype, or you can send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com. Also, you can always review us on iTunes and Google Play and let us know how we're doing. And uh, the more you review us, the more famous we'll get. And then maybe we can get some sponsorships. So do it. <laughs> Just kidding. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future podcasts, we would love to have our audience involved. But yeah, definitely check out the uh, other weather podcasts, Weather Junkies. And um, there's another weather podcast, uh, Stormfront Freaks. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. There's like uh, six, I believe now. We were added this past weekend to a list of like six or seven weather podcasts on Twitter. So, Oh, wait, we were added? Who added us? I think it was the Stormfront Freaks. Oh, cool. I actually listened to their episode. Oh, really? Yeah, I listened to their episode uh, late last week. Um, it was pretty good, too. Everything's really good. And we're also different, too, you know? They are. But I think it's great that we can all support each other and, and do that kind of stuff. Exactly. So we're looking at doing some collaboration with some of these weather podcasts in the future. So very excited about that. And so stay tuned um, because we'll have some fun stuff coming up. So until next time. Until next time. Stay hyped. Stay hyped. Yes. Not only are they insanely good and they're an Olympian in their sport, they can also uh, be a lawyer. So pretty much we should all be jealous of them because they have it all. <laughs> and they right. probably look good too. So, you know. <laughs> Hashtag jelly. That was really dumb. <laughs> that was so bad. Good thing I could oh, edit man. that out. Yeah, good thing you can, but <laughs> let's be real. We'll save it for the end probably. <laughs>